game over, man. It's game over. The game is played differently than when I was a kid. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're talking football. Wait, wait, don't go. I know that may turn some people off, but wait, don't go. Seriously. We're not talking football breaking down teams and defenses and offenses. We're not going to talk about the merits of the 3-4 versus the 4-3 defense. No, 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 no. We're talking football, but kind of in general terms. And we're talking NFL football, not international football or soccer, as we call it in the U.S. We'll do that at another time. Since we're starting fall, fall always makes me think of football, always makes me think of the NFL. And I've talked football before. I've talked about my lifelong fandom of the Jets. That's the masochist in me, rooting for a team that's never going to win. We won't talk about that, though. We've talked about that. And we won't talk about the Giants. That was my dad's team. I love to watch the Giants with my dad. And I've rooted for the Giants. I mean, I don't hate the Giants. I like the Giants. But this isn't so much about fandoms. It's about how football used to be and how my love for the NFL has completely evaporated in recent years. I mean, completely. And I'm also going to talk about a few things that have bothered me about the NFL, which kind of led to the evaporation of my love for the NFL. So much so that I don't even watch it anymore. So, actually, this episode is for those who don't like football. I'm going to talk to you about why I don't like football anymore, and maybe you can relate. Now, to give you the backstory in case you don't remember or in case you missed earlier episodes, I used to love the NFL. I used to watch football every Sunday. It was appointment television for me. I watched it with my dad when I was growing up. He had the football games on on TV, or if he was working in the basement or the garage, he had it on on the radio. And yes, we used to listen to games on the radio. That was a thing at one point. And we'd listen to games and we'd watch games together. And it's not like we sat down and compared notes, well, I think they should have called this on this play. But we would groan at the same plays and cheer at the same plays. And if our team won, we'd be happy. And if our team lost, we'd be sad. It was the usual father-son bonding experience over sports. We just didn't analyze it. I know some families get into the analysis and the ranking of the players and so on and so forth. We didn't do that. We just watched football. And then when I went away to school, I started rooting for the Cleveland Browns because I was in Ohio. And the Browns were the team of Northern Ohio. The Bengals were the team of Southern Ohio. The Browns were the team of Northern Ohio. So I rooted for the Browns. And that was when the Browns were decent. And I grew to appreciate football and I grew to appreciate the ins and outs of the game. I learned what a 3-4 defense was. I learned what a 4-3 defense was. And I wasn't a disciple or anything. I didn't try to convert people to one form of defense or the other, but I could talk about it semi-intelligently because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the whole concept of putting defenses together, what defense to run on what down against what play. I liked all that. And as an adult, I watched a lot of football. I liked watching football. Sundays in the fall were football. The only exception to Sunday football was Monday night football. And that kind of brings me to one of the things that's wrong with the NFL now. There's too much NFL. I know the NFL doesn't think so. I know a lot of fans don't think so. But I'm telling you, when the NFL was one day a week, and then that special game on Monday nights, it was important to keep track of your team and all of the other teams, and easy to do so, because all the games were on at the same time. Over the years, they've added Thursday night football. They've thrown in a few Saturday games. They've expanded Saturday games to the last couple of weeks of the season. So now you have Thursday night football, occasional late season Saturday games. Then you've got the Sunday games, and you've got Sunday night football. 
So instead of the two games in the afternoon, one at one and one at four, now you have one at eight. So now there's three games on Sunday. And then you still have Monday night football. So that's a lot of football that's on your TV all weekend long. And you know what? Just like any good thing, you can get sick of too much of a good thing. And that's what the NFL has done. They've oversaturated the market. There's too much NFL. Not only is there too much NFL on every weekend, but there's too much NFL for the seasons, too. When I was a kid, the NFL season was 14 games. That was it. A 14-game season, then the playoffs. 14 games isn't too bad. Then they expanded to 16 games. Now, they say they didn't make the season longer. They just took two preseason games away. But when I was a kid, nobody paid attention to preseason games. They didn't matter. And nobody pays attention to them now because they don't matter. They're practice games. They're exhibition games. Nobody cares about the preseason games, except, of course, the gamblers. But the NFL had the idea, well, 14 games is good. 16 must be better. It's not. It's too much football. And now there's 17 games. And they're talking about 18 games. You know, a long time ago, there were 12 game seasons. 12 would work. 14 games works. 16, too much. Too much football over too long a period of time over the course of a weekend. It's just mind-numbing. I don't care that much about all of the teams. I care about my team. I might care about my dad's team. I might care about the closest rival. But other than that, I don't need all of those games. It's just too much. If I want to catch up, I can catch the highlights on SportsCenter. What I used to do was watch the NFL Tonight on ESPN, and I'd catch the highlights of all the games that I was interested in, and that was it. After an hour, I was done. And you know what the problem is? The problem is the NFL's greed. It's all about money. It has nothing to do with the players. It has nothing to do with entertaining fans. I mean, entertaining fans is secondary. They want to make sure people keep watching and keep going to the games so that they can get their money. But they don't care about the fans. They don't care about the product as long as the product doesn't chase away fans. That's the biggest problem the NFL has. They don't want to lose fans. And when I talk about the NFL, I'm talking about the owners. They're the ones responsible for everything. People want to point to the commissioner. I mean, the commissioner is a problem, too. Ever since Pete Rozelle, they haven't really had a good commissioner. But it's all about putting money in the owner's pockets. That's what the bottom line is. And that's a real turnoff. I mean, when I realized how much the NFL is focused on profit for the owners above everything else, it really turned me off. And there's two things that have happened over the years that have established how much of a profit-driven industry the NFL is. The first thing is the pace of play. And when I talk about the pace of play, I'm talking about how fast a game goes. And I talked about this previously, but it bears repeating. When I was a kid, the one o'clock game would start at one o'clock and it would be over at four. That's obviously a three hour window. But with all the stoppages of play for timeouts, for video review, for advertising, what used to be a three hour game is now almost a four hour game, sometimes longer. You have a timeout after a punt. You have a timeout after a kickoff. You have a timeout for video review. You have a timeout for a coach's challenge. You have TV timeouts built in. They just stop the clock if there hasn't been a stoppage of play for a TV timeout. That's literally what they're called, TV timeouts. Because TV insists that the game stop so they can wedge in their commercials. And so rather than make the game experience something that moves along, something that's watchable both to the fans who actually go to the stadium and the fans watching at home, they focus on getting enough ads in to make money. It has nothing to do with the game. It has everything to do with making money. They sell the advertising time, so they got to get the ads in. They don't care that I'm sitting there waiting for a play. 
They don't care that there's four minutes of commercials between a punt and the next play. They don't care. They got to get their four minutes of commercials in. And it's four minutes of commercials. It's not a minute of commercials. It's not two minutes of commercials. It's four minutes of commercials. Four minutes is enough to forget what you're watching. Which game were we watching? Was it Steelers-Eagles? I don't remember. That's one of the reasons that the Red Zone channel took off. The Red Zone channel, which was on the NFL Network, didn't have any of the commercials. What the Red Zone channel did was cut from game to game, skip the commercials, just show the plays. So if a team was close to scoring in the red zone, you'd get to see the action, and you wouldn't have to worry about four minutes of commercials. They would take commercial breaks on the Red Zone channel, but they let you see action all of the time. That's why the Red Zone channel was so successful, and still is. But it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. You should want to watch your game. You want to be in the flow of your game. If the Jets are playing the Dolphins, even if it's a 0-0 game, it used to be you could watch the game, feel the flow of the game, feel how the defense was doing, feel how the offense was doing, and you'd really get into the flavor and flow of the game. That was what NFL football was. It was a flavor, a flow. You had an experience watching the game. You felt like you were really into the game because the game flowed. There's no flow anymore. It's chopped up little segments of a few plays, followed by chopped up segments of commercials. And sometimes the commercial breaks are longer than the play breaks. A three and out by an NFL team might take three minutes, and then you face four minutes of commercials while they change possession. It's crazy, but that's a subtle little money grab. They've ruined the flow of the game, but you don't really feel it unless you're paying really close attention. But the other thing that the NFL does, and not all teams are doing it, but a lot of them are, and it's condoned by the NFL. And honestly, this doesn't affect most fans. Most fans are content to sit at home, watch the game. The NFL is actually a better TV experience than in-stadium experience, in my opinion. But that's because I like to watch the game. I know, crazy, right? But for those who actually like to buy tickets and go to the stadium and watch the game, the NFL has this thing called PSLs. Now, if you're not an NFL fan, that'll mean nothing to you. But a PSL is something that the NFL instituted to try to get more money out of their season ticket holders. Now, you know what a season ticket is. If you are a fan of a team, you can go to the stadium, and if you have a boatload of money, because that's what it takes in the NFL, a boatload of money. If you have a boatload of money and want to buy season tickets for all eight of your team's home games, you can buy season tickets. You can buy eight tickets for the entire season, and let's say it's $100 a ticket. Yeah, that is cheap for an NFL ticket. Go ahead, look up the prices. But let's say it's $100 a ticket. So for $800, you can get one season ticket. Nobody gets one season ticket. You always buy them in pairs or you buy a box, which is four, or it could be eight. But let's say you just want to buy one season ticket for 800 bucks. When the teams have been building these new arenas, rather than let the season ticket holders at the old arena or the old stadium just have season tickets in the new stadium, the owner would give the season ticket holders first dibs on a PSL, which is a personal seat license. What does that mean? Well, it's a fancy way to say, The season ticket you have, you don't get to keep it unless you buy the PSL. And the PSL is going to cost you, let's just say $1,000. We're making that up, but let's just say it's $1,000 for a PSL. It's actually much more, but let's just use a number that doesn't blow our minds. So if you've been a season ticket holder for 30 years, they don't reward that loyalty when they move to a new stadium. They don't let you keep your season ticket in the same spot that you've had it for the past 30 years. No, 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 no. You need to buy a PSL. And if you buy the PSL for $1,000, then you have the right to buy your season tickets. Even though you've been buying them for the past 30 years, you've got to pay another $1,000 in order to continue to buy them in the new stadium. That's the simplest way I can explain a PSL to you. And there's a lot of nuances that go with it. 
And some of them are renewable and some of them are transferable. And sometimes you can sell a PSL and sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can sell season tickets and keep your PSL. Sometimes in order to sell your season tickets, you have to sell your PSL. But it's all about the money to the owner. It has nothing to do with the fans' enjoyment. And it doesn't take into consideration Joe Lunchbox, who's never been able to afford an NFL ticket and never will be able to because the prices are so ridiculous. Now, I know that the PSL doesn't affect my enjoyment of the game. It has nothing to do with the way the game is played. It has nothing to do with the offense or the defense. It doesn't affect the special teams. It doesn't affect concessions. It doesn't affect tailgating in the parking lot. But the fact that it exists just galls me. It makes me realize just how much of a money-grubbing organization the NFL is. And that galls me. The way it treats its players, that galls me. The way it doesn't pay for medical benefits for old-time players, that galls me. The whole thing with the brain injuries, if you've ever looked into that at all, that's shocking. The total disregard the NFL has for the players that made it what it is today is heartbreaking and disgusting. And that bothers me too. But the PSL thing, while not nearly as significant or as important or as dehumanizing to the players who've played the game, is, when compared to those things that I just mentioned, the PSL is just one of those little burrs under your saddle that make you crazy. Or at least they make me crazy. And so you add all of that to the stuff that I just mentioned, and you realize just how much of an evil organization the NFL is. And it is. They like to pretend that they're not, but they are. And that fact makes it hard for me to watch. I've really lost interest in supporting these rich billionaires and their little toys. Now, that's all the background stuff that has impacted my former love for the NFL. But I came across an interesting quote when I was putting this episode together. And this goes more to the product on the field than the background stuff that I just talked about. And when I say the product on the field, I mean the game. Now, this quote is from 1984. The game was broken back then. Now, that's what I was watching. I didn't think it was that broken back then. But this is from the perspective of a football writer who was a football writer for many, many, many years. A guy named Paul Zimmerman in Sports Illustrated. He wrote this. The actual malady is that football has gotten away from its essence. Football wasn't made to be played in a domed stadium on a rug. Players are supposed to get dirty. Every team isn't supposed to call the same plays and look the same. Offense and defense are supposed to be evenly matched. Officials are supposed to regulate the action, not dictate it. Now, that was written in 1984. Boy, does that ring true today. All of the NFL games look basically the same. And talk about the officials dictating play. Everything from the excessive taunting to trying to define a catch. I mean, this is just nonsense on the playing field these days. It's ridiculous. I would love to know how many hours have been spent reviewing videotape trying to determine if a guy caught a ball. I would love to know how many hours were spent reviewing videotape trying to determine if the ball broke the plane of the goal. It's hours upon hours upon hours of just sitting around waiting for guys to try to come up with an answer that is usually wrong anyway. How many times have you seen a video replay and you look at it and you go, oh, well, yeah, they screwed that up. And then they don't reverse the call. Well, what's the point of all of this review if you're not going to get it right? And what is this nonsense about a catch? I mean, seriously, we've all played football. We've all played baseball. We've all played catch, either with our own kids or with our parents or with our friends while we were growing up. We know when we catch the ball. 
You have control of the ball. Okay, there you go. We know what a drop is. They throw the ball to you, and you don't catch it. These are not hard concepts. But the NFL goes out of its way to make these things hard concepts to define in the context of the game. Well, a catch is defined if the player has control and can make a football move. What the hell does that mean? Did he catch the ball? Got both hands on it? Got his feet down. That's a catch. Ball's bouncing around, hits the ground? That's not a catch. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. And you know what? We have referees on the field. If they make the call, they make the call. Live with it. We don't have robots playing football. We don't need robots refing football. Just have them watch the game, see what happens, make the call, move on. I mean, they come up with terms. There must be definitive proof or irrefutable evidence. What are we, in a Perry Mason episode? What is this, L.A. Law? I know, I'm going with really old shows. Okay, how about, what is this, Law and Order? I don't need irrefutable proof. I don't need indisputable evidence. I saw the guy catch the ball. And that's what they should have the refs do. The head ref goes to the line judge and says, I saw him catch the ball. Okay, first down, and move on. And then the best part is, the fans have something to complain about for the next week. Because they're doing that anyway. We're already complaining about the calls because they screw them up. Why give them video proof that they screwed it up? Let the ref make the call, let the call stand, and move on. And then we can complain about it. Going back to that Paul Zimmerman quote, offenses and defenses should be evenly matched. Now, I'm not saying we need to go back to a time when the defense could put a licking on a guy. I'm not advocating for the days of Dick Butkus taking guys out by blowing them up. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, go to YouTube, find some Dick Butkus highlights. That man exemplified football in the 60s. I never got to see him play, but I've seen the videos. There was some real violence on the football field back in the 60s. Now, I'm not saying we need to go back to that, but boy, oh boy, there was a time where defenses made a difference in the NFL. They could stop receivers. They could stop running backs. They could get to quarterbacks. Nowadays, you might as well just put flags on all the players because it's a flag football game. You can't touch anybody. You can't even look at them wrong. I mean, I don't mind having an offense move the ball through the air. The passing game is exciting. I like a good long pass. I like a well-executed West Coast offense. I actually like a good running game. You know, some short passes, some runs up the middle, some end arounds. Mix it up a little, move the ball down the field. Have the running back make a difference in a game. When's the last time you had a running back in the league make a difference in the game? I mean, there used to be some running backs that were unbelievable athletes and made a huge impact on the game. You can go with Walter Payton. You could go with Emmett Smith. What about Larry Zonka as a fullback? The Jets had a guy named John Riggins. Emerson Boozer was another good Jets running back from way, way, way back. But even more recently, Freeman McNeil. But these are names that current NFL fans don't really know because it's been so many years since a running back made a difference in the league. The running game used to matter. You used to design plays to get the running back big yards. Sometimes the offense was three yards and a cloud of dust. But you know what? You won games that way. Not anymore. The running game is an afterthought. Every team is pass, 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 maybe throwing a run every once in a while. Running backs are disposable. And worse, running backs are non-entities. And I think that changed the game for the worse, in my opinion. The other thing that changed the game for the worse? The convoluted overtime rule. Once upon a time, there was no overtime except in the playoffs. If a regular season game ended in a tie, it was a tie. Now, quite honestly, I don't have a problem with a tie. Who cares? Okay, so we tied two games. Does it make the math difficult for figuring out who's in the playoffs? Not really. 
But apparently ties are so confusing that they didn't want to have ties anymore. So for a long time, the overtime rule was sudden death. While sudden death has its own problems, the original sudden death was whoever scored first won, period, end of story. Which was fine, except if you were the team that got the ball first and scored first, and the other team never got to see the ball. So what's the easy fix for that? The easiest possible fix for that is simply this. Overtime should simply be each team gets the ball at least once. If each team gets the ball once, next score wins. If each team scores on their first possession, whoever got the most points wins. And if they're tied after one possession each, next score wins. Boom. Overtime problem solved. But what do they do? Well, no, now we have the first team has to get the ball. And if they score on a touchdown, then the game is over. But if they score on a field goal, then the other team gets the ball. And if nobody scores on the first possession, then the next score wins, period. I mean, how many layers is that? How complicated does it need to be? See, that's the problem with the NFL. They didn't ask me. If they'd asked me, I would have straightened it all out for them before they got into this mess that they're in. So NFL, if you need some advice, you know where to reach me. You know what it is about the NFL? It's just not fun anymore. It's not fun to watch the games. It's not fun to watch the players. It's not fun to watch the celebrations. Heck, you can't even watch celebrations because somebody's going to get hit with an excessive taunting penalty. I don't know what it is about the stuffed shirts in the front offices at the NFL, but they really need to come off their high horse and just recognize that this is a game. It's a game that you're making millions of dollars off of. So just sit back and count your money and let the players play for God's sake. Let the fans enjoy it, let the players play it, and shut the hell up and get out of the way. That's the way to fix the NFL, in my opinion. But what do I know? Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for being here. As always, I appreciate your time, I appreciate your support, and I appreciate your kindness. You guys are the best, and I can't thank you enough. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.